All right, welcome to episode 14 of Big Slumpin'. I'm your host, Scott Morgan. With me, as always, is Josh Siegel. He's wearing a Ryan Tannehill jersey today, supporting true, his favorite player. Um, and we got Trevor as well, supporting a Monte Morris jersey, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But let's, uh, let's kick it what, off. Uh, what jersey are you wearing, Scott? I'm, I'm not wearing a jersey because I, I don't conform to your guys' fashion senses. Wow. Viewers, take that for what you will. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go to some football. So, First game, there was no Thursday night football. So the first game I have down is Saints-Falcons. Saints won 21-16. I believe this is the second time they've played in three weeks. Again, Taysom Hill played this game. Trevor, what, what were your takeaways from, from this first matchup of the week? Uh, the, the Saints took care of business. Um, I, like, I, like, I like gambling on the Saints because they seem to always cover. So that's something nice. And uh, Taysom Hill has been really good for them. He actually uh, did well passing the ball and – running the ball this week, which, you know, usually, you know, he hasn't been like the greatest passer because that's not his thing. But I mean, I don't know. He's, uh, I think it's pretty clear that we're, uh, what the Saints want to do after Drew Brees and Taysom Hill seems like the future. He, he may not be a long future because he's kind of old, but like, <laughs> he's, uh, he's pretty good. And uh, the Saints took care of business against the Falcons. I mean, they, the Falcons offense isn't bad and they held them like to nine points through three quarters. So, you know, I thought that was pretty imp- impressive. And, you know, the Saints team just they, – they continue to play like a complete football team. and They're going to be scary come playoff time. Yeah, and then you, I think they, they kept – the announcers kept saying how Taysom Hill threw his first touchdown pass ever. And so, yeah, he had two this game, 232 yards, no interceptions. It was pretty efficient throwing. Still ran really well. Um, and then this week, Camara was the, the leading back, I believe, for the Saints instead of Murray, which was probably nice to get him a little bit in the mix. And honestly, a big note was Michael Thomas. Nine catches, 105 yards. So he was back in the game plan a little bit. And on the other side of the ball, I, I really thought the Falcons struggled offensively. Uh, Saints defense is not known for being that stingy. And honestly, like, they didn't – Matt Ryan had one touchdown pass. And other than that, their uh, their kicker, Young Wei Koo, had three field goals. That was the, all the scoring for the for the Falcons. So, honestly, could have been a winnable game for them. But Saints took care of business. Any final thoughts from either of you two? I will say the since the future of the NFL. <laughs> since since the Bears game, they've they haven't given up a twenty point game. They've only given up sixteen points, which at most, which was today. So I guess this would be a, impressive lately. I guess this would be a good time for uh, Scott and I spoke yesterday. We were watching the Iowa game together, Go Hawks, and uh, I told him I had a hot take I wanted to share in the podcast. And uh, now we're talking about the Saints first. I didn't know we we're on top of the Saints first, but I guess it would be a good time to start. Uh, Taysom Hill is. What Tim Tebow should have been. That's, uh, that's my hot take. I believe that they have similar skill sets. And if, if Tim, Tebow, Tim Tebow came around in today's NFL, he would have been a lot better than he did you know, like 10 years ago. I, th- I think – I understand where you're going. I think, though, Tebow is a really hard knockoff or discount version of Taysom Hill. Because Tebow was an elite athlete in college. But in the pros, he was not that athlete. Taysom Hill is still a hell of an athlete. Like – He's bigger and he's faster than a lot of people on the defense. That's why he's able to run so well. And he can literally just bowl people over, which is super exciting. And he's actually showing in the last game to be a pretty good passer. And he also didn't wait till the fourth quarter to have a comeback. So I would and say – Who cares when the comeback is? If you win, you win. That's all that matters. Well, that's because Tebow, all, all he did was show up in the fourth quarter. He would miss <laughs> the first three quarters of play and then just show up and be like, oh, we started. Trevor, what are you going to say? The other thing with Tebow is he, he wanted to be, like, the guy. Like, he wouldn't have done what Taysom Hill did, you know, sit behind Drew Brees for all those years. And, and like, I mean, 
you know, remember Taysom Hill's 30. Like he, it was, he's, he's had a long road to get where he is, you know, and I, I just don't see Tebow doing that. I know when we also mentioned Taysom Hill being 30, I feel like a lot of listeners as well as other people probably think that that means Taysom Hill has been a backup for about eight years. No, <laughs> he, he's only been in the league for maybe three years. Four, like I think when he was like, I think he got drafted when he was twenty six or something. Twenty six yeah. or twenty seven, yeah. So he hasn't. It's not like he's been a perennial backup, and he's just been waiting for his chance. He he's when he came to the Saints, he kind of was already like a utility player that they would come. Like he 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 didn't just sit for two to three years. Um, all right, twenty seventeen. Yeah, so three years ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, any anyone else? Any other hot takes? Or are we good to move on? Move all on, right, Scott. roll. The second game that we should probably just breeze through real quick because I don't want to go into this into depth. The Bears game, they uh, they fumbled away the game to the Lions, thirty-four to thirty. They had a pretty good ha- a hold of this game, and Trubisky did have a costly fumble. But what are you going to do? We just couldn't put the game away. We had some questionable play calls late. Even Allen Robinson, like the best player on the team on offense, he probably could have reached for that first down when we needed it, and then we had to run a really bad fourth down play. Um. Yeah. I, I just what are you, Trevor? I'll start with you. What are your thoughts? That was pretty. Like, I mean, the Bears were in cruise control like all day, and then they get to the fourth quarter, and it just all collapsed. And I, I was shocked because the play calling went downhill. You had all those odd plays, like you said, the fourth down play, Allen Robinson not going for the first down, the fumble, which is inexcusable, which sucks because Mitch Trubisky actually played pretty well, you know. And I just – I don't know – I mean, this, this is another one of those losses where it's, it's coaching, it's it, – I mean, it, it's, on, it's on Nagy. I mean, I know the players make certain decisions, like you said, Allen Robinson, and there's the fumble. But, I mean, it's just – it's poor late-game coaching. It's, it's you know, it's, unex, it's inexcusable, right? Like, <laughs> I, I just – It's it was so pretty hard disgusting. to get wins in the NFL that you can't give them away when you've won a game. And – the sad thing is our offense, like you said, Trubisky did pretty well. He, you know that we're not a team that should be throwing 45 to 50 times. Trubisky only had to throw – he went 26 for 34. So we didn't have to throw too much. Our run game was actually probably the most efficient it's been all year. Montgomery had 72 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so we, we were going pretty well from that standpoint. Our defense honestly struggled a lot. Stafford had 402 yards and three touchdowns. And then P- Adrian Peterson, at whatever age he is right now, had two rushing touchdowns as well. Like – yeah, so it, it is, I think, the best word is it's an, an inexcusable loss because we should have locked this game up. Our defense, which is our staple of our team and has always been the staple of our team, just kind of didn't show up. I don't know if they're, like, giving up. I, I don't know. Josh, or, do you have any thoughts on this yeah, one? Yeah, I actually watched this, like, entire game. <laughs> I actually watched this, like, entire game. Uh, and uh, – I thought Mitch looked good. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like conditioned to think that like, you know, anything, anything, <laughs> anything uh, that's, you know, not terrible is now good from watching so many Bears quarterbacks in my life, but I thought he looked good, honestly. And uh, I know the Lions suck. I know that Trubisky has a history of destroying the Lions, but like, I don't know. I thought it looked good. I wouldn't blame any of this on him. The defense didn't really show up at the end there. And then, there was some really bad play calling, which I even knew was bad. I don't even like football. I knew those play calls were terrible. Like if, if there's such a play that makes me go like, why the hell are you doing that? Then uh, it's a bad play guys. <laughs> it's a bad play. Um, I wouldn't put this on Trubisky though. They, they needed a clean house. Obviously we all know that, but I wouldn't put any of the blame on that loss on Trubisky, even though there's a fumble. I still wouldn't put it on them. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like Trubisky is currently our starter, and I believe we're starting him next week. I don't know if Nagy came out and said anything else, but I think we made the right move going to him right now, and I think he's been playing well. And I, like you said, none, none of the blame's on him. Uh, let's move to a, a shocking game. So I thought it was going to be a really good matchup. But the Browns, honestly, like, they showed up against the Titans. The game was only 41-35. to 35. The Titans had some garbage time touchdowns to make this one close. But Baker had four touchdowns, 334 yards. Chubb, 80 yards and a touchdown. Derrick Henry only had 60 yards, and he fumbled once, which is really not like him. Just a really bad game for the Titans. I, I thought their defense got exposed, to be honest. But, yeah, what, what do you think about this game, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, the Browns, they look great. They are a playoff team. They look like a playoff team, and the score does not show how much they won this game. I know they only scored three points in the second half, but – they're, you know, they're kind of on cruise control at that point. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield looked great. This is the kind of effort, you know, I think Browns fans were looking for. And, I mean, they just – it was it was a very complete game. Nick Chubb looked great. Baker Mayfield looked great. Uh, the Titans, you know, I, I still think they're a good team, but uh, they're, I don't think they're the kind of team that can get down like this and come back. Uh, they're – and – you know, it was it was actually like, I don't know. I, I was kind of shocked by this game because I I didn't think the Browns had this in them. And uh, this is you know another thing where you, you can see like, they're you know this is one of the reasons why you could say they're a playoff team because I mean they put up forty one points on a on a pretty good team. I know the Titans defense has been struggling all year, but uh, yeah, it was I was pretty impressed and it was it was good to see this out of Baker Mayfield after he's been struggling for a few weeks. Even though you could blame some of that on the weather, I would say. Yeah, I think Baker with the past couple of weeks, you could say weather as well as just tough matchups or different game plans was maybe to run the ball. But yeah, this week, four touchdowns. I think all the different receivers too, good passes. He just looked good. He was spreading the ball to everyone. And I think, yeah, what are they now? Nine yep. and three? Nine, yeah. I mean, they're going to probably be a 10-game, 10 10-wins 10 team, maybe even 11 or 12, which is nuts. Like, they're – they're going to make the playoffs, I believe. Um, just really good news for the Browns and their fans, and honestly a really scary loss for the Titans. I don't know if this is one that you just try to forget. Um, you know, Derrick Henry wasn't himself, and maybe if he was, this game's a lot closer, and you don't give the ball to the Browns as much with their offense hot, and then you don't have the tired uh, Cowboys defense keep going on the – or not Cowboys, Titans defense keep going on the field. Um Honestly, this could just be a game that they scratch and just say, this wasn't us. We'll, we'll bounce back. And I don't know who they're playing next week, but I, I'd be scared to play the Titans. I think they're going to bounce back. You'll always be scared uh, to play the Titans. Yeah, always. I, the Titans got the Jaguars and the Lions coming up, so I think they'll look a lot better the next two weeks. I, I think I'll they'll put my do money on well. them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, – so let's move on to Dolphins and Bengals. So this game was actually really a, a low-scoring affair. Um, Dolphins only won 19-7. to Brendan Allen did okay, you know, 153 yards, a touchdown, and interception. Tua, almost 300 yards and one touchdown. I mean, I thought it was just an okay game. It wasn't the most interesting. It was very defensive. Uh, Van Noy had three sacks, so good game for him. The, the most interesting part of this game was the brawl. Uh, I believe Mike Thomas, he hit Jakeem Grant. I think he signaled for a fair catch, and before the ball even got to him, he just got, like, nailed. Um, called a brawl. 
Brian Flores was even trying to go at players <laughs> yeah. on the Bengals. It was a very he, interesting. He wanted to fight the whole Bengals bench. I mean, and he those was, Bengals he was are dirty, man. You know how it is. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a uh, – was it Puig trying yeah. to fight the entire yeah, Pirates team? That's what it looked like. Flores was ready to go off. Um, yeah, so just tell me what you guys thought about that incident as well as the game I mean, overall. Uh, Brian Flores – I, he continues to impress me as a football coach. I think he's he's a really great hire. He, you know, he's one of the – I mean, I don't know how else to say this, but, like, he, like when a coach goes and says, he starts to – you know, well, he wants to fight a whole bench of a football team, I mean, how can that not get you fired up for your football team? Uh, you know, uh, the Dolphins, they didn't look great offensively, and, you know, you just hope Tua continues to grow. He, he, he had a good game, I'd say, today. Um, and the Bengals, you know, they didn't do much. Uh, but, yeah, it uh, – Dolphins continue to win. They're eight and four. Um, they got some tough games coming up. Uh, you know, Chiefs, Patriots, always going to be a tough game uh, at Raiders, at Bills. So we'll see how they finish up the season. I mean, I could see them losing all four of those games, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I could see them getting nine, ten wins as well. So we'll see what happens with the Dolphins. But, you know, I think Brian Flores is a really good football coach. And I, I think this just this Dolphins team just continues to look great every week and really well coached. Was Flores the replacement of Adam Gase? Uh, no, was he was the... a defensive. He's the linebackers coach for the Patriots. I'm not. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, but then who... oh, the Dolphins coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did, didn't 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 Gase? And I, think, then I think it was Gase and then Flores. Gase yeah. as head coach. I'm gonna yeah look that up. So you're going from one of the worst offensive coordinators now head or head coaches that's been just making their team terrible with Adam Gase, and then you got Brian Flores who. I don't think we expect. Sorry, uh, I don't. I don't think we had many expectations for him. But you're right. He's led this team to eight and four. Tua and Fitzpatrick have both been pretty productive under him. Their offense as well. But more than that, like special teams is playing really well. Jason Sanders is a kicker, but you know their punt coverage, their returning game, and their defense is is feisty. So yeah, I think he's done a great job coaching, and he could definitely be up for a coach of the year candidate just because it's a pretty new coach and. I think he's blowing by expectations this season. Yeah, I, I'm, he's he's just impressive. He's definitely a coach of the year candidate, and that's – yeah, that's all you got to say. Brian Flores, he's, he's a really he's, good coach. And he's willing to fight anyone. Yes. Got to fight for your team, Scott. I think could fight better than him is Mike Rabel. Yeah. But that's a different story. <laughs> um, all right, let's move to Vikings-Jags. So this game was a lot closer than I expected it to be. Vikings uh, won in overtime, 27-24. Mike Lennon, like Trevor said, was, was feisty this week, uh, 28 for 42, one touchdown, two interceptions, so not the greatest game, but he, he was thrown. Um, Cousins had another good game. The thing that's interesting is Cousins had two fumbles last week right after ha- halftime, two scooping scores, and then this week right after halftime he has a pick six. So I think maybe you switch quarterbacks the first drive of the third quarter if you're the Vikings just to limit turnovers there. Um, Dalvin Cook looked good. He's healthy, which is always great. Justin Jefferson, another really big game, and Thielen was back. So they all played good. Uh, I believe Schobert was the Jags linebacker. They got 12 tackles, the sack, and also got that pick six. So, honestly, a really close game. Uh, what are your takeaways from the Vikings and the Jags in this game? I don't know. I mean, the Vikings are really confusing me because they've been playing in these really close games, and they're 6-6, six and six, and they're start to actually get into the playoffs. And I think the Vikings are actually, like, they're a good team, but they – obviously have some problems a lot of it I think on the defensive side and I think 
there's a lot of there's a lot of sometimes their offense makes some mistakes uh where you just you know they look back it's they're kind of frustrating mistakes like they're pretty avoidable and you know it, i think the vikings just i don't know they they're gonna have a, it's they have a tough ass to play around their defense which i don't think is very good and uh i mean they, they came out with a window which is what they need to do to stay in the playoff race and yeah it just i don't know i mean the vikings I don't know what they're trying to do. I mean, they got the Buccaneers coming up, then they play the Bears again, uh, Saints and the Lions. So I think they can win two of those games. And I feel like Bears and Lions is probably their best chance, right? To win the two. And my my question actually for you now that you're you're making me think a little bit here, would you rather be in the Viking situation or the Bears? Like, what team would you rather be right now? <sighs> I, I I would. I, I mean, Vikings, they're, they're, they're probably the Vikings, very right? Very close in in like record. Vikings have one more win, but I just feel like they have more going for them right now. Yeah, like we. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the Bears. I mean, I feel like their defense has just given up on the season, and I feel like the Vikings have more talent on offense to actually put something to put some points up against these better defenses. I just, yeah, I I would definitely rather be in the Vikings situation because I think they're more set for a playoff run you know even though I don't think they look great every week I mean they still win you know I I think that that I asked this mainly because I think the Bears roster through and through has more talent I think our defense is greatly better than the Vikings when we show up and I think offensively I do think the Vikings have the edge because they have Cook and yeah Jefferson Jefferson and and Cousins a better line Cousins probably a better quarterback Uh, and but I, I wouldn't say we're I don't I wouldn't say we're like a terrible offensive talent with Robinson. Komet had a good game. Mm-hmm. Montgomery I think is actually a good running back. He just has no space. Yeah. So it's it comes I, down I to that, that offensive line. When it, yeah, when it comes down to everything overall, I, I'd rather be a Viking fan. But roster talent I think it's pretty close. I think it's really with coaching and GM with you know filling in the holes on the team that I think the Vikings have done a better job. So yeah, I was just curious about that. Hmm. Um, I got nothing else of Jets – or not Jets, uh, Vikings-Jags. Yeah. But, yeah, the next game actually is the Jets. Um, I will say the Jaguars, they, they're like – they try so hard every week. That was their 10th straight loss, right? Yeah. They're 1-11. They, they have been close a couple times. Like, even though they've lost 10 straight, I, they've been in. I mean, they beat the Colts week one, and then they just lose. That's crazy. And, I mean, they're not all blowouts. I mean <laughs> – I, they just try so hard, and I feel so bad. But that, that's all I, I guess I wanted to say about the Jaguars. Like, no, that's interesting because they beat the Colts, and the Colts are not a team that I would expect the Jags to beat. A, yeah. a solid defensive team with some offensive explosions. So that's that's it's funny that they won their first game and then they just dropped ten straight. Yeah, um, eleven, my bad. Uh, so yeah, uh, what is it? Raiders and Jets. So Raiders have like a last second touchdown to Henry Ruggs, forty-six yard touchdown to beat the Jets, thirty-one to twenty-eight. I had under 53 and a half in this game. And until that touchdown, I was looking good. So that really sucked for me. But the Jets find a way to lose this one. I don't know if they were trying to tank or they just – I think it was all Greg Williams. Did you hear what he's, his nickname is? Dr. Heat. Dr. Heat, yeah. He dialed up a blitz in a clear prevent defense. And then he gets – and you're doing this against one of the receivers that is the fastest receiver in the league that you should probably not mark man-to-man because the guy's not as fast covering him, and then it ends with a touchdown. So, 
Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there's a video going around on Twitter, uh, Greg Williams saying that his favorite play is to call his cover zero, all out cover zero. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. And yeah, subsequently from this uh, from this game, Greg Williams ended up getting fired. So the defensive coordinator, um, I don't know who's replacing him. I don't know if he will have a job elsewhere. I know he also was in the, was it Bounty Gate? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. the coordinator for Bounty Gate. Yeah, and it, with the Saints, so that wasn't a great look for him. So, I well, he says how. he he gets all these head coaching offers, and that he doesn't even need to interview for him. I mean, you think he just talks them into existence? Like, dude, you know, I'm I've I got a head coaching offer yesterday. It's like, oh, you did? Well, we don't have that I, opening, but we can give you defensive coordinator. I don't know who would. I I don't know. I mean, you get fired from the Jets defensive. Oh, that's rough because they had. I and I saw some takes about like. He wanted to lose this game just to make sure that Adam Gase has another loss on his record. But I doubt that. I think he just thought it was a good time to bring some heat. And I agree with blitzing at times, but that was not the right time. Um, no. Carr, at the end of the day, his stats were really good. That touchdown to end helped. 381 yards, three touchdowns, and interception. Yeah. Darnold was okay. And pretty low completion percentage, 14 for 23. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look terrible. <laughs> no, I mean – he wasn't seeing ghost out there or anything. He he did lose two fumbles, which was not great. That helped the, yeah. the Raiders. That's pretty good for a Jets quarterback, though, right? Like that's that's not Probably bad. Not bad. And wasn't a butt <laughs> fumble, so nothing humiliating. Uh, Ty Johnson, yeah. twenty-two carries, one hundred and four yards, and a touchdown. He came out of nowhere, played great. Waller, he probably had the best game out of everyone in this game. Thirteen receptions, two hundred receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Honestly, a stud tight end, and. He's a big reason the Raiders are where they are right now. But, yeah, what are your thoughts about the Jets almost beating the Raiders? And what would you think if you were a Raider fan right now? Uh, if I was a Raider fan, I'd be pretty worried. I mean, this team's obviously struggling. I mean, they're playing like they beat the Chiefs, right? Like, they're coming out and they're like, yeah, we beat the Chiefs. We're, we're a good team. You know, like, well, you're 7-5 and five and, you know, you have to win out to get 11 wins. And the AFC – uh, you know, I, I guess it's not as competitive as the NFC, but it's still like this year. Um, but you still got to come out. I mean, you got games against the Colts. You're going to play the Chargers, who are a little feisty, the Dolphins, and then the Broncos, who can play good defense against anybody. So, I mean, the Raiders really got to pull it together. Uh, this was obviously a must. I think this was a must-win game for them because then they'd be at 6-6 six and six and falling out of the playoffs because they would probably lose two of those games, I would think, maybe, just with the way they're playing. So, yeah. Yeah, this was definitely must win. And if you're a Jets fan, I mean, you're pretty happy, right? <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, the the Raiders remind me a little bit of like Fitzpatrick in his heyday when it was Fitzmagic or Fitztragic, and you don't know which one you're gonna get. Yep. Like, they're as inconsistent as him, where he might go for like 500 yards and five touchdowns, or he might go for like 200 and three interceptions. And right now, with how they're playing, they could either show up and dominate, or they can almost lose to the Jets. I I don't think i'll ever bet on them anymore this season uh maybe over and unders only but yeah they're they're a tough team and i think yeah like you said this this was a must win they're seven and five right now i think they went seven and nine last year um so i mean it's a good improvement for gruden but they definitely need to close out some of these these later games in the season if they want to change the playoffs and now let's let's talk a little bit about colts texans so colts beat the texans 26 to 20 uh, Rivers looked actually really good, 27 for 35, 285 yards, two touchdowns. The player that really shocked me was Deshaun Watson. Like, he, he lost, uh, what is it, uh, Will Fuller the fifth. I think it's the fifth. No, fourth. 
Will Fuller. I don't know. <laughs> he, lost Will one Fuller. Of them. he lost Will Fuller, the one that plays football right now. Yep. Um, and he still had 341 yards passing and was finding some some players. I mean, what is his name? Kiki Kute? QT. Was the guy that – yeah, I, I, I don't know how to say his name. But he stepped up in Fuller's absence, had eight receptions and 141 yards. Now how about Chad Henson with the – Casual hundred yard receiving day. I, I mean, mean, like this is who nuts. expected like, that? He he was doing <laughs> what, like Chad Henson. Hanson. He, he was doing what like Brady would do with the Patriots and make like no name players solid receivers. And I, I think it's really part of it is his ability to scramble, get out of the pocket, and give his receivers time to get open. Um, but yeah, he had a great game. And the Colts defense is pretty stingy. I don't know if they. They did have Buckner this game, I believe. Yeah, and he makes a huge difference. As you know, as yeah, you can see the Texans run game did nothing. <laughs> no. And then I, I know I think Houston and Buckner, they had three sacks and two sacks respectively. So they were getting to Watson mm-hmm. and he was still able to like bounce back and get up. But I, I have really nothing in this game other than I thought it was impressive the Texans were able to stay pretty close to this Colts team. And maybe it was a little bit worrisome for the Colts that they can't pull away from this Texans team. I don't know. I, I think I, Colts are a good team. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like the Texans aren't as bad as their record says. I still don't think they're good because obviously Bill O'Brien, you know, existed <laughs> and did what he did to the team. But I still think – I mean, Deshaun Watson is – this might be, like, one of his best years ever, like, <laughs> stat-wise. I don't, I don't know. Like, it just – like, I, the eye test, like, he just looks like that number one guy. Like, I, I would I – would, I think any of the th- – 32 football NFL teams would want him as their quarterback. I mean, I, I think you know, obviously if they didn't have it, certain teams would prefer their situation, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, I think that's a clear argument. Cause if you look at what he's doing with what Bill O'Brien did to this team by getting rid of Deandre yeah. Hopkins, arguably the best receiver in the league. And now he loses Will Fuller to steroids and, or wh- whatever it was. It, I, <laughs> I can, yeah. I mean, I think his the only receiver that I can really name that is like, was once a big name is Brandon cooks. And that's not a and, guy you want he, to be your wide receiver one. You know, yeah, he had five catches for sixty-five yards. So yeah, not a bad day, but it wasn't like solid. His, yeah. it's solid. It's it's nothing special, but it's a good game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think like how a lot of people could say like, oh, this is Bill Belichick's best coaching year ever because he's doing it with adversity. A lot of people are going to be saying that about Deshaun Watson. This is his best season ever. You know, his record's four and eight. Yeah, it's mean, not great, but that's not on him. <laughs> No, and, and he's coming out and trying every game. And I, I just, you know, he's a guy you can definitely get behind and root for. And, you know, hopefully hopefully the Texans can give him a better situation because I, I would hate to see, see him get wasted in Houston, you know. And then on, on the Colts news, I, I thought that Taylor had a good game, 13 carries, 91 yards, so he was rushing pretty well. But even better than Taylor having a good game was T.Y. Hilton. He's had a, a tougher season. He had eight catches, 110 yards, and touchdown. But it, it was nice seeing him get a little chemistry with Rivers and seeing the TY celebration is always really cool. But yeah, that's that's all I got on that game. If you're if you're good to go on, Trevor. No, I'm good. Okay, so then we got the Rams beating the Cardinals. And this comes after last week when Josh said that that he hates Jared Goff and that he's a trash quarterback. But honestly, and I, oh, I hate the Rams. I don't hate Goff. I hate the Rams. Oh, I thought you were hating Goff. Last I, I think week. Goff is trash, but I don't hate Goff. Okay, you, you don't think he's a good quarterback, but you don't. Okay, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, I thought Goff, like, I watched the the Rams game last week, and I thought it was horrible. I thought he was a big contributor to that loss. And then this week he looked really well, really really good, not really well. Um, 37 for 47, 350 yards and a touchdown. And Murray, who had three touchdowns, only threw for 173 yards and an interception. So 
I thought he honestly kind of struggled against this Rams team. Woodson Cup, again, having huge receiving days. Hopkins, another good game. I mean, Rams won this 38-28. I don't really know what else to say. I thought it was going to be a closer game. I don't – we all took Arizona in – actually, no, I took the Rams in this game. You guys took yes, Arizona. Did. Okay. We actually have a really interesting <laughs> prediction results in this one. But, yeah, yeah. What, what were your guys' thoughts on this one? Why did you guys go with Arizona in this one? I just – I don't know. I mean, the Arizona's been on a bit, a bit of a losing streak. You know, they lost to the Seahawks, Patriots, and then obviously now they lose to the Rams. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just expected more out of this offense. I, and, you know, I've always – I've been saying Arizona's defense is a problem. Like, it's not good. Um, but it's – it was really bad uh, on Sunday. And, you know, the Rams, they they continue to be a roller coaster. So, I, I expected uh, – you know, they, they, they lost, so then they, I should have expected a win because that, that's also what I've been saying is they're, they're a roller coaster team. They'll lose and then they'll win a, a couple of games. Like, that's just what they've done all season. So, you know, I, I, I just expect more of the Cardinals at six and six. I mean, they're still in the playoff race, but yeah, the schedule doesn't get any easier for them. And it just, uh, you know, at Giants, then they're going to play the Eagles, which is probably a win, but then first 49ers and then at the Rams. So, I mean, they're going to have to win at least three of those games, I, I think. I could see him going three and four in that. Three and four? Three, three and one. Three out of four. So, <laughs> yeah. So, wait, say, say that again, and I'll, I'll tell you what if I think it's a win or a loss. Okay. So, uh, next week they play at Giants. I, I think that's a win. What do you think? I think their offense has been struggling. And the Giants uh, do I mean, have a good defense. Yeah. Um, I, I, just, I think it depends, you know, if Daniel Jones is back. I think he'll um, be back. I'm not sure, though. I just think the Giants are going to be able to score. Like, I don't think the Cardinals' defense just isn't good. Like, okay. it's not good. So then, what's uh, the, then what's they the... play the Eagles at home. I think that should be a win unless Hurts shows up to be, like, a stud quarterback. Even if he's yeah. average, I think that they should win that one. Or it's yeah. a winnable game, you know? That, that, that's definitely a must-win for them. Then they oh, play yeah. the 49ers at home. Okay, and the last one's Rams? And the last one's at Rams. Okay, I think out of 49ers and Rams, their best bet is 49ers if Kittle's not healthy and if they're still going with Mullins. Yeah. Unless – they have to stop the run, though. Yeah, like and that's, that's, the th- that's the thing is Arizona's defense, I don't think – like, I don't think Chandler the Nick, I think Jones the Nick Mullins factor, like, is outweighed by just how bad the Cardinals' defense has been this year. And I think he is. Um, but I'll, I'll look into that real and, quick. And how good – um. What's it called? The San Francisco O-line is fantastic at blocking, and their run schemes are really good, and that's honestly a big reason why they're as good as they are right now. Yeah. Chandler Jones yeah, is out I, for the season, like, and he's he's probably their best player okay. on defense. I mean, he's definitely the best pass rusher. Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson are still they're good, but like the Buda defense Baker's as a whole, just, better... it just doesn't work. I mean, but yeah, when you can't stop the run and then you have to bring extra guys, then it's just man coverage on the best receivers. It's, it's tough. Um, yeah, so it's going to be an interesting season to see the Cardinals, you know, follow, follow up this, this end of the season. Uh, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on, though, to NFC East a little bit, a, a little bit of a shock here. The Giants beating the Seahawks 17-12. to Colt McCoy did not play outstanding. No. He went 13 for 22, 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And – they he won that game with 17 points. Uh, what do you? I thought Russ struggled. I thought the Seahawks' offense really struggled. I mean, Russell's stats overall are okay. 
you know, 263 yards, a touchdown, an interception. He had 16 incompletions, which is a little high for him. He was sacked five times. They really let Wayne Gallman run all over him. 16 carries, 135 yards. Well, what did you make of this game? I mean, I thought I thought I was surprised. Like I thought that Seattle would come out and you know at least get like a touchdown or something in the first half, and they didn't. And I think that it's just a. I mean, it was at home too, and this is just a testament, I think, to how good the Giants' defense is and how underrated they've been all year. I know people have been saying it, but I mean, this was probably their best effort, especially, you know, playing around Colt McCoy, who, you know, we're not going to pretend that Colt McCoy's, you know, something amazing to have at the quarterback I, position. I, I mean, think he, he that they, they, they knew that with starting Colt McCoy, if they had a chance of winning this game, they would need to shut down Russ in the offense. Yeah. And since they started off really well and they did that right out of the gate, it kind of gave them confidence. If Colt McCoy would have thrown a pick six or if Russ would have got like a nice touchdown early on, Maybe they would have been like, okay, they're probably not a chance and maybe giving up. But they fought, and that's what I feel like the Bears sometimes they just don't do is, you know, our offense will show up, and then our defense will be like, oh, crap, we're actually trying this game. Um, so, yeah, what, what, do you, what do you make of Russ in this game? I mean, he's been – early in the season, we thought he was having an MVP campaign. He definitely stepped off that, that track for a little bit. And then this is a game I think everyone expects him to get back on it with maybe four touchdowns, and he only ends up with one and not that great a game. Yeah, I, I mean, Russ is still playing. I if I think I, I don't think Russ is the problem, but uh, yeah, this is probably the end of his MVP campaign. He he might not get that MVP vote we said he might get this year, and I mean, it's just yeah, th- this was, uh, I mean, this was a game that could have kept them in the NFC West race, and you know, I mean, they got the Jets and the football team coming up next, but then they got versus Rams and at 49ers, so. We'll see basically with the, the Seattle what happens with this division, but uh, yeah, I mean, losing at home to the Giants is certainly not what they expected, and their offense is going to have to play a lot better, you know. And their defense, I mean, I mean, I I know they only gave up 17 points, but remember, this is the New York Giants with Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman leading the charge, you know. So it, it's wild that's game. Um, and then. Let's move on to Packers Eagles. So a little bit more of a, a better game let's for talk Trevor. Let's. Um, let's. Uh, but no, before before let, let's just talk a little game summary <laughs> real quick. So honestly, Eagles came back in this game, and I I know that you and Zach are other Packer fan. We're a little a little worried. I had money on the Packers too, so I was actually a little worried that they might choke this one out. But Aaron Jones, he he stopped all that. He sealed the game with a seventy-seven yard rushing touchdown. Great game for him. Rodgers, again, great game. 295 yards, three touchdowns. Now let's talk about Wentz, Trevor. Go yeah, ahead. He, uh, he did not look good. He, Wentz, Wentz is very, like, sackable. He's a very sackable quarterback. Like, he just looks so nervous. And then, like, when there's anybody near him, he just kind of, like, holds the ball. He's, like, afraid to fumble it. And, like, he just looks so nervous. And, like, I almost feel bad for him because his offensive line is not very good. Um and I think they've had some injuries up front there. And yeah, he just, I, he got benched. I think rightfully so, you know, even though it's not all his fault, I don't think, I just, the Eagles need to go in a different direction. Like, and I don't know if they can even do that because they have one signed on for, what, what is it? Like $20 million a year, $28 million a year. Like it's, you know. Do you uh, say his time has came and uh, went? <laughs> Thank you, Josh. 
uh, yeah, I mean, but no, at the same time, because I think they're going to come out with him. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles still next year. Um, I think next week, obviously, it was announced Jalen Hurts is the starter. But I don't know. The Eagles have a really tough situation with Wentz. If, I think the, the best scenario for him is just to get traded because I think his, I just, time I think his has, time's done in Philadelphia. I think his time has gone in Philadelphia. I think yeah. they're, they're going to move on to Hurts, and if he's average or even close to Wentz's value, they're going to – you know, he's, he's the cheaper option, and he's younger, so maybe he can develop. I think they're, they've kind of given up on Wentz. He went six for 15 in this game. For seventy-nine yards, which is just and four sacks. Hertz came not entirely uh, his fault. Yes, four sacks. I mean, no, the sacks aren't his fault. Hertz went five of twelve, one hundred nine yards, and a touchdown and one interception. So he wasn't great himself. It wasn't like he came in and was a huge spark plug for them. Uh, Green Bay actually forced seven sacks, so four of them were on Wentz, and then three on Hertz. And Hertz only played, I think, a quarter. Yeah, uh, something so like they that. Were, yeah. Getting pressure. Yeah, I, and, and um, I will say at that time, I mean, the the Eagles were obviously passing a lot. So, you know, you expect probably some sacks to occur. I mean, it just – yeah. <laughs> I think this game went as scripted. Good good game by the, the Packers offense. Their defense did enough. They actually really dominated the, the Eagles for the most part with uh, pass rush as well as just overall. So, yeah, well, let's move on to the next game. So then the, the next game I got is uh, – is Patriots blowing out the Chargers 45 to 0. And the most interesting thing about this one is in our prediction, we all took the Chargers winning. And my God, we were all very, very wrong. Jeez. Uh, and thing is, like, good. the Patriots blew out the Chargers, but Cam Newton didn't do much throwing. 12 for 19, 69 yards. It was the down. weirdest blowout ever. <laughs> he had two rushing touchdowns. I didn't even realize Stidham got in the game. He went two for three with 61 yards and a touchdown himself. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they had what's the, the punt return man named Gunnar Alsuski. I don't know how to say his name. He had a 70-yard yeah. punt return. I mean, this game was – I mean, he averaged 48 yards of punt return. Jeez. Yeah, he had another really one that I think he brought within 10. Yeah. So that's why I think the yardage for both the run game as well as the the pass game wasn't much because they kept getting good field position. Um. Herbert threw 53 times, which is not ideal. <laughs> Only 209 yards and two interceptions. So maybe his, his worst game so far, but yeah, it, it was a terrible game for the Chargers overall. It wasn't like he blew this one. I mean, they were down 45 to zero. Did they keep Herbert in the whole time or did they switch to a backup at some point? I'm not sure. I don't see any uh, pass attempts by a backup, but this, yeah. this wasn't a game I really paid attention to at the end. I, <laughs> yeah. This, uh, if there's ever a reason to get rid of a coach and his staff, it, it's a game like this. Uh, if they're, they've been saying fire Anthony Lynn all year, uh, yeah, uh, you don't lose at home. I mean, I, I know it's the Patriots, I know it's Bill Belichick, but there was clearly such a gap in like preparation for this game and just the intensity of each side. I mean, the Patriots came out and they they just played better football. I mean, it, I know they it's 45 to zero, but it, it, and that I, a lot of those, I mean, this was just, Anthony Lynn was just out coached this game. And obviously it they seems had a lot to of me like, that he is out coached every game. Yes. Well, that's, that's because he has, <laughs> he <is>. just, <laughs> I just think uh, Anthony Lynn, he needs to be done. Like, it sounds like, like Trevor's fire off, him. The, off the Anthony Lynn fan I, wagon. I've never been on it to be honest, Scott. Um, all right, all right. So do you, do you hope that he gets a job with another team, a coordinator job, or you just want him out 
of the Chargers. No, I, I, I think I think he needs to just be done with the Chargers. Like he needs to get fired. Um, I don't think, I don't know. Anthony Lynn needs to like rethink what he's doing as like a head coach. Like he needs to go back to being a coordinator. You know, make another. I think he was a running backs coach when he got hired. So he needs to go be a yeah, running backs w- coach again. He's pretty good at that for the Bills, I believe. So, yeah, um, he needs a reset. Yeah, so other than just a complete domination of this game by Belichick and the Patriots, it, it, it was all facets of the game. I mean, special teams had a huge say in this game. Defense was great, and offense was good, but they didn't have to do much. So, yeah, it was, it was a dominant win for them. And then another game, I believe this was the Sunday night game, was the Kansas City Chiefs versus Broncos. So Kansas City now moves to 11-1. Uh, are they first place in the AFC now? Because the Steelers dropped it. I, I don't, don't know. know the tiebreakers. I don't know who got who has. I the just buy. feel like because they are because we all think the Chiefs are you the know better what? team. <laughs> I think it's because the Chiefs beat the Broncos, who are in the AFC, and yeah. since the Pittsburgh lost to the football team, who's in the NFC, I think the Chiefs are one because they have more interconference wins. If that makes sense, there could be a completely different tiebreaker, but that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm going with. It's yeah. There's some. <laughs> there's probably like a third level tiebreaker or something that we're gonna so, have to look at. So yeah, <laughs> Chiefs win. Chiefs win eleven or twenty two to sixteen. They moved to eleven and one. Drew Locke played okay. Fifteen for twenty eight, one hundred fifty one yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Two okay, bad okay, interceptions. Okay is probably a little kind. I'm very. <laughs> Those interceptions today. were pretty bad. Yeah, and then Mahomes twenty five for forty three hundred eighteen yards, a touchdown. Honestly, two touchdowns if they would have reviewed Tyreek Hill's touchdown. It should it should be three touchdowns if we're being honest. What was the third one I'm thinking? The holding call. Yeah. Yeah, that was eh. – uh, so, yeah. And then, I mean, other than that, Kelsey still had a really good game. Hill still had a good game. And then Tyron Matthews had two interceptions, so he was all over the place. Not very tough interceptions, but interceptions nonetheless. Um, oh, yeah. He, I mean, he did what he needed to do. He caught, he caught the ball. Thrown to him. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good win for the Chiefs. Honestly, a little closer than they probably wanted to. But like you said, there was two touchdowns that were taken away. So that would have made this game three possessions. Um, do you have any takeaways from the Sunday night football matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think this game should have been that uh, close. I, think that, I, I still think Denver's defense played great, but I think uh, – there were a few calls that obviously went their way uh, that night and it didn't end up mattering, but the chiefs I think should have won by a lot more. I think their offense looked great, pretty much unstoppable, even in the face of a really stout Denver defense. I mean, and I say unstoppable in the sense that like they, they can come out and play pretty much any team. Well, like they they can just, if they need to run the ball, they'll run the ball. If they need to pass the ball, they'll pass the ball. Like they can play good defense against, I, I just, I don't know who beats the chiefs. Like they just, they look very dominant in all facets of the game. I mean, and I think yeah, that's I just, it was impressive. The biggest, the biggest attributes to them is that if you take away one thing, they can beat you so many other ways. If you I mean, double yeah. team Hill, I mean, they have Kelsey, they, they have Kelsey, Clyde, they have uh, Hardman. Yeah, they have still stellar receivers. I mean, Edward Tillaire and Bell are good receiving backs as well. Yep. Or, you know, you take away the pass, if you, if you could take away the passing game completely, which you cannot. They still have a pretty stout run game at times. This week was not great. Um, and that in Denver's that's you know a tribute to Denver's defense. I yeah. mean, let's not d- discount what Vic Fangio is able to do with this defense. I mean, he's a great defensive mind, and I think he'd be a great defensive coordinator. Don't know about head coach. I, I still can't get over. I I don't remember who he's playing early in the year. I think it was the Raiders, but I don't remember. Um, and he just was like refusing to take timeouts 
Yeah. When they were clearly going to kick a field goal to win it, and then they didn't have a single possession after. It was just – it's yeah. like he forgot how to football. And yeah. I, so it, that's not what you want out of your head coach. Um, yeah, I got nothing else from Chiefs Broncos. Do you have any final words? No, uh, just uh, Chiefs continue to roll. For sure. And then uh, Monday night football, so we had two games. The 4 o'clock, I believe, time game was Washington-Pittsburgh. The Washington football team won 23-17, handing Pittsburgh their first loss of the season, which honestly, it was a bad loss for Pittsburgh. But I feel like a lot of pressure is off your shoulders when you do not have to go perfect. Uh, Alex Smith actually played pretty okay. 296 yards, a touchdown, no turnovers. Roethlisberger's had uh, 305 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, Antonio Gibson got hurt. I believe he hurt a toe in the first quarter. So he yeah. he left after like two rushes. Um, I thought the biggest problem for the Steelers in this one was Washington's defense was really good. They stopped the pass game. Also, the Steelers have had a lot of drops in the past two games that really hurt Big Ben in their, their offense. But I thought they really needed uh, James Conner. That, that's my biggest note. I, I thought he would have been a huge help for this team. Yeah, Pittsburgh cannot run the ball. Um, and, and I will say, I mean, Washington's defense continues to play really well. I think the NFC East has, somehow has two of the best defenses in the NFL, actually, uh, at least team defenses, because I just... Cowboys and Eagles? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh has some serious problems. They obviously have way too many drops, and they have, you know... As, I mean, they have all these great receivers, but if they don't catch the ball, then it doesn't matter. Like, and the then they, is, the overall, game sucks. <laughs> yeah, overall in the game, they do they do pretty well. Like, Eric Ebron still probably finished with, like, six, seven catches, but he had, I think, like, three drops. Juju had a couple drops. I think Johnson maybe had one or two as well. Um, Claypool did really well. But, yeah, it, it was just – you're not helping your team. And the run game does suck without Connor – who one is a good pass catching back, but yep. also is a really solid running back. I mean, they have some big offensive linemen. They're very good at, at you know, run protection. Um, but they just, with Benny Snell, it's just not working. And I think that was the biggest reason they lost. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, Washington, I don't know how serious Washington's going to get. Cause I mean, they still have at 49ers versus C- Seattle uh, and then the Panthers and then at Eagles. So, I mean, maybe they could win some of those games and get ahead of the giants, but this was obviously a huge win for them and they're still in the NFC East playoff race. So it'll be pretty exciting to watch. And it's just cool to see Alex Smith. Like just, it's cool to see Alex Smith. I, I think I, I had this game on mute actually for a second and uh, I just looked up and I saw Alex Smith's like bloody leg just leaking everywhere. And I, I immediately was just, I thought like the worst, you know, because yeah. Alex Smith leg injury. But it was I remember spike uh, cleat, you, you know? and you and my other friend were texting about it and I'm like, no, this is, this is, it's the other leg. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you, cause when they zoomed in on it, I'm looking, I'm like, the other leg's clearly the one with like, that's, the cast. That's what I looked strong. up. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, then they, Honestly, NFL is really good at finding out, like, why is his leg bleeding? And they showed, like, two, I don't know who the guy was, but he saw two plays earlier. I think one of his guards got pushed back and mm-hmm. accidentally spiked his leg. And, I mean, that thing was bleeding yeah. like a sieve. It was, it was not a good look. Um, yeah. Good thing that the Redskins – or not the Redskins. The football team wears red mm. so that you don't see it as much. I mean, imagine if he was, like, on the Cowboys. That thing would just be a huge red spot. Um but yeah, no, yeah. that was a tough, tough performance and gritty performance from him. So good for him for staying out there and played pretty okay, pretty well. 
Yeah, I I was pretty impressed. And at long and, ball to get the setup, the what was it? The field goal was a field goal at the end, or they scored a touch. I think I think it was a touchdown. touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And they had I mean, a they just yeah. What's it called? This this is he he did well against the Pittsburgh defense. Yeah, you could argue is the best defense in the league. I think Minka. They won. were ranked one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they only let up twenty three points, but still, just mm-hmm. twenty three points on the Steelers with a great. I mean, that's impressive for, for the football team there. Uh, good win for them. First loss for the Steelers. I mean, they're still in a good position this year. Um, but, yeah, let's move on to the other Monday night football game. So, the Bills beat the Niners 34-24. to uh, Two really good first quarter goal line stands. Those were awesome. And then the Bills fumbled it right back to the 49ers yep. at, like, the two. So, that didn't yep. look great. Because me and Trevor had money on the Bills in this one. Um Allen money on the under and they just killed me. They killed me this game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Allen had a great game. He went 32 for 40, 375 yards and four touchdowns. Mullins did okay. I mean, 316 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Beasley broke the record for for touchdown receptions for guys five eight and shorter. Not touchdown reception, but touchdowns. Which I'm like, do you really have to point that out? Like he's having a good season. He's a good player. Why make it about his height? But they did. Um, yeah. Diggs had another good game. But, yeah, just a, a good win for the, the Bills. Um, and, yeah, what, what did you think about this, this last Monday night football game? Uh, so, yeah, the Bills passed, when the Bills passed the ball, they looked great. Uh, their passing offense is one of the top ones in the league. Uh, Josh Allen looked amazing. Um, and I don't, this game wasn't as close as it looks. I mean, it doesn't look close, but the 49ers had some garbage time stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Buffalo came out. They they just looked like the better team. I really thought this game would be a lot closer, but Buffalo had a great game plan. Just let Josh Allen pass the ball, and I think whenever they do that, they look great, and they look great on a sun on a Monday. So you know who I think the Bills should never have gotten rid of, Lashawn McCoy. Like I, I don't think he would. I don't know how productive he would be, but even when he was older, like two years ago, he was still like a thousand yard. I think just, he was a thousand yard rusher with the Bills, yeah. but. I'm just saying they don't have – Singletary's okay. Even if you have McCoy and Singletary splitting carries, I think that'd be better. It's just he's getting no touches in Tampa Bay. And I think you're right. Like, their their pass game is great. But if you, you know, have a, a defense that can lock up the pass game, I don't think they're going to run on you that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that is probably the one thing with Buffalo is the running game's not great. I think Devin Singletary is a serviceable back, but yeah, maybe a guy like LaShawn McCoy could, you know, give them some help. But I, I just I mean, I, I don't know I His don't know best if... years may be behind him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they definitely are, but I, I I just remember that when he was a veteran with the Bills, he was still productive and Oh yeah. They Great got fantasy rid of him back. He hasn't really done much. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see like how would his career trajectory be if they would have kept him um but let's move on to the the tuesday night football game so another weird primetime game ravens beat cowboys 34 to 17 uh lamar jackson weird stat line 12 for 17 107 yards and two touchdowns one interception he also ran for i think he had a 37 yard touchdown rush um weird stat gus edwards seven carries 101 yards came out of nowhere i mean that dude's averaging more than 10 yards carry uh, Andy Dalton, 31 for 48, 285 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And then Greg Zerline, he went one for four yesterday. So not a great special team outing. I mean, if he makes three more field goals, what is that, nine? 
they're down 34 to 26. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could have been a one-possession game, but, I mean, they were 50-yard field goals, and then I think he also missed a 40-yarder. So, yeah, well, what were your takeaways from last night's game? Yeah, uh, Andy Dalton looked pretty okay. Um, the running game for the Cowboys actually looked pretty good. I'm surprised they didn't give Elliott more carries um, because it, I know it says 18 for 77, which doesn't look – I think it doesn't show as good as he was because three of those I think were at the goal line. Uh, and he got stuffed on all three tries, and that's you know more on the line because he was getting hit in the backfield for all three of those. Um, but I thought the Cowboys actually ran the ball well, which is fun because the Baltimore obviously ran the ball better. I mean, that was their game plan today is run the ball. They had 294 yards rushing, which I didn't even realize until the end of the game that they almost reached 300 yards rushing. Um, Lamar Jackson looked great on the ground as he always does. And Dobbins and Gus Edwards were a good one-two punch. Um, you know, Mark Ingram being back is always um, good for them. Uh, yeah, so I think this was a good win for them. And it kind of gets back to what the Ravens did well this season, which is run the ball. Um, and having a guy like Mark Ingram back helps, although he wasn't like their best running back. But uh, when the Ravens run the ball and they, they can do play like this and play with a lead, uh, they look really good. I like that you took note of the goal line stand when Zeke ran three times and got stuffed because mm. I had the over 39 and a half in this game. So yeah. I really needed the Cowboys to score that touchdown. Yeah, they, um, they, <laughs> they did. But yeah. I'm like, I wasn't even mad at Zeke because he was pushing. He was trying. He like spun off one lineman, yep. like a 300 pound lineman. And then he there's turns around more. and there's, he hits one guy and then there's another. It's just, yeah. he was trying. And I think he actually had a decent game. He did. He did. He had a hundred yards, maybe, and no, he he didn't have. Okay. He, <laughs> I thought he did pretty well. No, he he had a good game. It was he basically had fifteen for seventy-seven, which is yeah. a good game. I thought they would have given him more carries, but yeah. So I mean, I think they probably took carries once they realized they needed to throw to say in this one. Yeah. But yeah. I thought Zeke played well, even though his stats might not show as well as he played. I, th- I think it's just O lines hurt. I mean, he what? No Tyrone Smith. No Zach Martin. It's a big help right there. Um, all right, so now let's let's talk about our prediction results from last week. So we all went two and three. So not not a great week for any of us. Um, the the biggest one was we were all wrong about the Chargers beating the Patriots. That was that was a bad. I felt, miss. I felt so dumb. My my brain was like, why did I bet on Anthony Lynn versus Bill Belichick? I didn't, which I didn't bet on. But like, I think I was betting in, on in on Herbert's <laughs> offensive ability, and then. It just didn't – they got so outcoached. Um, but, yeah let's, yeah, let's forget about last week. No one won. No one was better than anyone else. We all kind of sucked. It's not like we all went 5-0. and um, So, let's get into Thursday night football. So, we do have Thursday night football again, which is nice. Um, Patriots 6-6 six and six at Rams 8-4. and four. Trevor, Josh, who, who wants to take this one? Well, I'm not picking the Rams. So, go, go Bill Belichick. So, I – I, I the Rams, they're a roller coaster, right? But the Patriots are coming off a win. I think they're gonna do this thing where they win one and they lose one. So they win. Now they're gonna lose. So go Rams. All right, Although I'm one two, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take the Rams too. Um, I think their defense will be tough for Newton. I don't think he's had the greatest passing performances. So I think Rams will be able to shut that down a lot. And I think they're gonna struggle to run on Donald in that 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 good defensive line. So I'm taking the Rams and hoping golf does enough. We'll, we'll see. 
uh, in the second game, I got Texans four and eight versus the Bears five and seven. I'm gonna, I'll go first. I'm gonna go Texans. That was a bad loss to the Lions, and I think Deshaun Watson will just make something happen against us. Even though I think we we are the better team and we should win this one, I'm gonna take a risk and go with the Texans. Yeah, I think I think Deshaun Watson has a bit of fire under him. I don't think he wants to lose out, and I think he's going to win probably two more games this season. So I think this is one of them. Like the Texans, too. I can't wait for all the tweets about the Bears picking Trubisky over Watson to come back again. So They're going to probably say it like five times during the game. It's going to be horrible to the watch it. Gonna, the, the, good, the graphic's going to come up, that I'm draft class. I'm not even that against Trubisky. Like, it's over, just... under... Over under them mentioning it ten times in the game. Under uh, under under. I thought you were gonna say like three and a half, and I'm like, that <laughs> I was thinking might like close. two and a half, one and a half. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it, it depends if they do like something where like you know how Mahomes and Watson when they played they like hugged each other on the bench. I don't think that's gonna happen with Trubisky and, and Watson, but if they do, that's gonna be at least one mention. Um, yeah. So we'll see. So we're all taking the Texans. Next matchup: eleven and one Chiefs versus the eight and four Dolphins. I, I just I, I have to go with the Chiefs here. I mm, like this is like a perfect like trap game for the Chiefs, but I feel like the Chiefs don't have trap games. Like I feel like they're just that good. Like I don't know. I I, I just I gotta take the Chiefs. Uh yeah, I gotta I gotta take the Chiefs. I was trying to rationalize it in my head because I'm wearing a Dolphins jersey right mm-hmm. now. Just trying to figure out a way to you know explain why I like the jersey. Dolphins. I know, but it's it's it has the Dolphins logo on it. And uh, no, I got to pick the Chiefs. I can't. I'm taking the Chiefs too. I, I put this in here to see if anyone would take a risk and go with Dolphins because the Chiefs didn't do great last week and the Dolphins are feisty. So this could be a close one, but I honestly think the Chiefs have too much going for them right now. Yeah. I now think, that now yeah. that it's tied 11 and one with the Steelers, they want to get that by. So I, I think they're, they're going to push for it. Um, next game I got is the Steelers 11 and one versus the eight and three Bills. So, you know, Steelers just come off a loss, their first loss of the season. Do they bounce back or do the Bills, good team, do they, do they win? So, I'm going to take Pittsburgh myself. But what, what are you two thinking? I think the Bills. I like the Bills at home, yeah. I, I think this Pittsburgh still has, like, drop problems. No, which... I'll change my mind. I'm, going, I'm oh. going the Bills. I thought you said Bills. I said Steelers. Oh. I'm changing my mind. <laughs> okay. So Bills. Bills it is. Totally thought you said uh, Steelers as well. My bad. Um, all right. So hopefully I can steal a win from you guys there with Pittsburgh. Um, and then the last game I got is Monday Night Football, Baltimore 7-5 and five versus the Browns 9-3. and three. How y'all feeling? I'll go with the Browns. I think Baker Mayfield had a coming out party. And uh, he's going to it's not going to be as good, but he'll continue that momentum into another game. Trevar? Look, I don't relish in the Browns fans' pain but I know what Browns fans expect from this game. And they, they, they're like, all right, we're riding on this high. We're nine and three. We just beat a really good Titans team. Ravens at home, heartbreaking loss. Going Ravens. Is the Ravens? No, the Ravens home? aren't at home. It's I'm, I'm saying they're playing the Ravens at home. Okay. That's what I meant. Like the you, Browns, got... That's what the Browns fans are thinking. So you're we're playing the Ravens, Ravens at home. I, I see. I see. You're, you're in the Browns fan perspective. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, the heartbreak of losing a primetime game at home. He was cosplaying as a Browns fan. Man, yes. that's a sad I, I mean, it'd be cool cosplay. if they don't lose because, you know, I think the Browns in the playoffs would be must-watch football. But we'll, we'll I think, see. I think, yeah. 
I'm going to take the Ravens. This is just like a Browns thing to happen. I think this is a game where like Lamar either has a tough one or just the Browns defense is going to hold. And if the Browns can have any, if they can replicate any success from last week, they'll be fine. I like how I'm pointing at this wall, but like, that's just me saying like last week. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I honestly, the Browns win this, which would be really cool. They get their 10th win. And I don't remember the last time they had 10 wins in a season. So, okay. So I marked down all our predictions for week 14. Let's do some NBA. So some of the the bigger news was Westbrook in wall trade. So Westbrook is now a wizard, him and Beal. I think that might be a little f- a fun pairing in the backcourt there. And currently, Wall is, is a rocket with James Harden. Um, we're not sure if James Harden will remain with the roster. We'll probably find out in a couple of weeks if he gets traded to Nets, 76ers, or where that ever that will be. Um, and, yeah, other notes from that. Wall's been – I don't think he's been on the court since 2018, December 26, 2018. So nearly two years ago was the last time he played – NBA basketball he's been recovering from knee injuries as well as a torn Achilles tendon so I'm just you know I'm happy he's still on like a decent team for now and I hope that he is healthy and can be you know any reminisce of what he used to be so yeah what do you guys think about this trade about wall being back etc just a really weird trade man just a really weird I don't know what either team gets out of this but like just weird uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a winner or if it just kind of just, eh. Like, it doesn't – I don't think it helps either team that much. It's just like, all right, Westbrook, you want to get traded? All right, goodbye. <laughs> Whatever, just leave. It's another Wizards for some reason. I will say, I don't know if you guys remember, but from back when uh, Westbrook was on OKC, there were a lot of rumors that actually were, uh, OKC was trying to get Bradley Beal to, uh, in a trade. Um, so, yeah, we finally get Russell Westbrook and uh, Bradley Beal paired together so we'll see how that actually works out <laughs> trevor's a big bradley beal fan actually I'm, so. Great I'm player. excited i'm glad he gets a running mate it's it is sad though because him and john wall seem to have a a, a nice bromance going they but. had a really he had a really nice uh, i believe instagram message like tribute send off to john wall in yeah. their eight years together so that was really cute and it seems like honestly beal's just a good guy and they had a really good brotherhood there um yeah so i'm sure they'll you know they'll, when they see each other all-star game or if not all star when they play against each other, they'll they'll have a nice moment. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll we'll see how how Beal and Westbrook do. Uh, and then moving on, Trevor. So you're wearing a Monte Morris jersey. So yeah, yes, he, uh, I, might might be the biggest news of uh, the week. You, I'd say. You take this one, Trevor. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys heard of him, uh, but uh, the Nuggets actually re-signed their point guard. Um, Monte Morris, their most important point guard, uh, to a three-year, $27 million <laughs> extension. So uh, shout-out NBA Cyclones. Uh, shout-out Monte Morris uh, getting the bag. And you know, shout-out to his agent. Give me yeah, a shout-out to his agent. Shout-out to his agent, Ron Shade, which just sounds like the sketchiest guy to handle your money and contracts. I, I said that earlier, but <laughs> I just think what a, what a name for an agent to you know handle your money, Ron Shade. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Nuggets keep their depth, uh, and their most important point guard, uh, probably, you know, most Mr. valuable Shades. player at that position, <laughs> maybe in the conference. Yeah. So maybe, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy cause I'm an Iowa state guy, obviously big Good. fan. Um, but yeah, that's uh big news. 
Probably the biggest basketball news of the week. <laughs> in Trevor's world, it's the biggest news. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, some, some sad news actually in basketball that I, that I saw that I just want to mention. So, Kat, he said that he lost seven family members due to COVID-19, which is just super sad. Thoughts and prayers go out to him and the rest of his family members because losing any family members during this time is tough anyways. Um, but, man, losing seven, I just feel for him. and I hope Wear a fucking mask. Right. I mean, they all could have been safe and stuff, and just somehow contracted the the virus. So you can't you can't assume that they've been pre- especially. You think you lose one to COVID? You think that they're not wearing masks and taking precautions? So, um, yeah, just sad news there. Um, and then something a little fun that I, I I was reading NBA news, and so there's CBS has top six NBA players on the verge of a breakout. So I thought we could go through that and get your guys' thoughts. So uh, Michael Porter Jr. was number one, and his bubble stats, they said, were 22 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 0.9 blocks. He had 2.73s and shot a 42.2% clip from behind the arc. So what do you guys think about his potential this next season? Will he get more of a role? What, what do you think? And he's always had star potential back when he was playing, when he was a, uh, his one year at Mizzou. Like, everyone knew he could be something, then he got hurt with his back, and there was all this, there was all this drama with the surgery. Like, no, he always had star potential when he was healthy. And it's not surprising to see him on all this like this. It's like he's like the most obvious, like candidate. Like, oh, who's a random young player thinks gonna make a big jump? He's like the obvious one. I mean, yeah. he's he's got the shot and he's very athletic. So, I mean, all those KD comparisons could be pretty realistic. Uh, Offensively, he's, I mean, he he's got some of the biggest upside I think out of any young talent in the league you could you know put him up there with anyone but you know he's got got, got to put it deep together defensively mm-hmm. and he certainly has the frame to do that you know he's just got to get do they play him at the three or four I mean I know he's probably a more prototypical I, four I, I think, think they use him at the three at the three yeah which is crazy because he has hella length for that side for you know that position oh, it's kind of like Kevin Durant right exactly like... <laughs> yeah Giannis oh. too um yeah all right and then the next one so the Bulls have a breakout star, apparently. Uh, oh, yeah. Kobe White, which I really do. I, I've been pretty high I'm, on I'm him. I'm a big Kobe guy. Same here. Uh, <laughs> I have to be. <laughs> we all do. Um, so his Pulse All-Star stats, he has no bubble stats because the Bulls did not make it to the bubble. Um, so after the All-Star break, he went 24.7 points per game, 4.3 assists, 0.8 steals, and he made 3.53s a game, shooting 40.7% from beyond the arc. So when he was getting used more, he – he showed up. He played really well. What do you yeah, think, I think I think that's part of the reason they probably got rid of a uh, guy like Chris Dunn just to get Kobe White out there because they be- probably believe in him a little more, and which makes me happy to hear because I I hope he comes out and has a really good year. I think he can shoot really well, and I I I want to see him maybe get some a little better at the uh, point guard part aspect where he's you know making the right passes, the right plays, which I think he will get better as he grows as a player. But I love the shooting from him and I love the scoring. And I'm excited to see where he goes, especially as a Bulls fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. Um, the next one I have is Derek White. So he's, I think after the All-Star break, was 14.8 points per game, four assists, 0.9 steals, and then he shot threes at a 37.8% clip. So exciting player for the Spurs. They they project him maybe breaking out. I'm not – this one, with Porter Jr. and White, I can kind of see it. With White, I'm not sure. But, yeah, what do you think about that? 
Um, I mean, I feel like the Spurs always have a guy like this just in the wings, like a, you know, like a young point guard or like a guy who's playing like in a backup role and he's learning and developing. So Derek White's kind of like the latest there. Uh, and he's, you know, he's playing well. And um, God, I'm trying to think uh, who is the other, the guy I'm trying to like think of that made me think of that Kyle Anderson. Uh, that was, if you guys remember Kyle Anderson, he played point guard. He played a lot in the, I guess the G league now, but he was a, uh, kind of like a young guy that people expected to take over for the Spurs eventually. Wasn't Kyle Anderson a power forward? No, I think he played point guard. Are you thinking um, about DeJounte Murray? Patty yeah, Mills? Murray's up there. Kyle Anderson. I think it was Kyle Anderson. I'm thinking Kyle, Kyle Anderson's... Yeah, he played for the Grizzlies. Yeah, but uh, wasn't he like a small forward power forward? He's not a... But, but he played, I think he played in like a point forward kind of role or something. Okay. Like he, he handled the ball. Like, I'm not I, saying he's like, I'm just saying like. I, I've have, seen him play and I just cannot imagine him with the ball handling duties at all. But yeah, no, you could be right. I, maybe, maybe I'm remembering that wrong. But anyways, I think, you know. Uh, I, I could latest, be remembering I, wrong too. Too many concussions here. Latest guy in the Spurs uh, developmental, uh, in their developmental abilities. Just like from a factory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Similar to how Purdue produces all these seven foot three bigs. Um, yeah, so let's move on to actually a, a center. So Mitchell Robinson, post All Star stats. So, so a, a Knicks right here. Twelve point two points per game, eight point seven rebounds, and two point four blocks. So honestly, really good post play as well as defensively there with two point five blocks a game is pretty impressive. So a, a Knicks player. So he's going to get a lot of time. They don't have a lot of star talent. Uh, Obi Toppin is going to be joining him in the front court. So, yeah, what do you guys think about Mitchell Robinson? Uh, well, I think he's a good big. I like his uh, defensive, you know, um, what would you say, future, uh, his ability to get better on the defensive end. He's obviously got huge height and huge length. Um, I think, you know, he's a good developmental guy for the Knicks. I don't know. You know, he's one of those guys I feel like the Knicks – could live without or with in their future. Like he could be part of a trade package or he could be part of their future. Um, either way though, he's obviously getting better and he's obviously got the talent to do it. Uh, maybe, you know, hopefully um, Tibbs, you know, uh, plays him enough. I know he Tibbs has a history of not playing his guys that much. You know, he likes to, to use his full roster. <laughs> I'm making a, a joke here. I know. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I forgot Tibbs is the head coach of the Knicks now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I could see Robinson just having good stats because of his usage in New mm-hmm. York and that he'll get a lot of touches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if he gets traded, maybe he, he – I think he'll still have rebounding and blocks for sure. I don't know about his offensive potential, but if he gets – what was it? Uh, 12.2 points a game. If he can stay around that and still have maybe boost his rebounds to about 10 and blocks, stay at 2.5 – He's a productive NBA player. So, I could definitely see him becoming a walking double-double and a, yeah. a menace on the defensive end. Exactly. And, I mean, especially if, if he is a walking double-double, he's going to get offensive putbacks. So mm-hmm. that will help his points per game, probably get into the line a lot. Um, we'll, we'll have to see how he, he develops. And then the next one I got is Cameron Johnson, I believe power forward for the Suns. Uh, Pulse All-Stars, he went 11.9 points per game, so pretty much 12 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, he made 2.2 three-pointers per game and then 38.8% from three. So I, I don't really know much about Cameron Johnson. I know he's young. Suns now have – I think they just signed Jameson Crowder. So I don't know – not James – Jay Crowder. Jameson Crowder is a receiver for the Jets. Yes. Uh, Jay Crowder. So they got him at power forward. They got Aiton at center. 
I honestly don't know if Johnson will break out because I think his role will be limited with this CP3, Booker, and Aiton Suns team. So we'll see if he gets touches, but he could be a contributor off the bench, maybe six-man potential if he does break out. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't, he's a nice player to have. Um, Feels like a reach. Yeah. (laughs) That's like a reach. It's also just, I don't think he's going to get much usage. Like if you put, if you replace Johnson and put him on the Knicks and have Robinson on the, on the Suns, I think we'd be switching it where we think Johnson will get a lot of touches, but we putting up a lot of shots and maybe he breaks out. But with the Suns team, I don't see him getting those offensive touches. Yeah, I think the I think the the future for Johnson is just a nice like a, a guy to, that hopefully you know gets a little better at defense, gets uh, has has a good shooting ability, you know, just kind of a, a bench player, rotation player. That's probably his future, you know. Okay, and then the last guy I got is Josh's own Chris Boucher. Is that how you say his last name? Boucher, he's okay. the dude, man. <laughs> I wasn't sure I said it right. So post All Star stats, uh, these might be a little underwhelming, but I'll, I'll explain why I think he actually might break out. So his post-All-Star stats are 7.6 points per game, five boards, 1.3 blocks, 1.1 threes, and he shot his threes at a 43.2% clip. So I'll say why I think he actually could really break out. is one thing, Raptors lost Gasol and Ibaka. So with Pascal Siakam, I think Boucher may – I mean, I know they got Baines and Len, but I think Boucher's going to get a lot of opportunities, maybe a starter um, – and, he's not starting, dude. Okay, so he's coming. <laughs> Baron Ben's going to start. Fine. But he's got you know five rebounds a game off the bench and seven points. Now he's going to get more minutes. He shoots. He can spread the floor pretty well. I think he's actually, other than Porter Jr. and Kobe White, maybe Derek White too. I can see Chris Boucher being the biggest uh, breakout star from this list. Josh, what are your comments on this guy? I love watching him play basketball. He is just so full of energy he is like your prototypical energy player he comes off he's just he comes off the bench he's just sprinting his ass off working so hard just chucking up threes whenever he has the chance it's so much fun to watch him play and the way he shoots does he make like those a, threes yeah sometimes okay <laughs> and uh he just shoots like a catapult like you watch him shoot basketball it's, it's hilarious he's not a great shooting for him but it's great it's it's fun to watch him play he plays really hard he's gonna get more minutes because abaka and gasol are yep. gone sadly but he's not going to start. You got Aaron Baines for that, and Alex Lund's going to get some minutes too. But, you know who yeah, we... I expect all those numbers to go up for sure. I don't know how much they're going to go up. Well, maybe not the three-point percentage. That's probably going to go down a little bit just for more playing time. But uh, he's good. He's a good player. He might he's have very career, defensively. career highs in points, rebounds, and blocks. So. Yeah. I don't want to talk all positive about him because there's issues with him too. He's, I don't know when the last time we saw a picture of Chris Boucher was, but he is rail thin. He is extremely skinny. And so I don't know if he's bulked up since the, since the season ended, but even if he has, there's not much time to do that mm-hmm. and, you know, gain a sizable amount of mass. So he still has to get bigger. He's, he's older than you think. He is, uh, he's like 27. 24. Wow. That is. Yeah. He's 27 already. Um, not, not that that's old, but you know, there's not much, there's not much more projectability in the frame at this point. And uh, he, bigger players can take advantage of him defensively, which is a problem for sure. But he gets his blocks. He's very lanky, and uh, he can guard multiple positions. It's just that he's because he's so thin. Bigger guys can take advantage of him pretty easily. But he's from Canada. He's a he's a uh, Canadian guy on the Raptors. We love that. And uh, he uh, he he's a very interesting story. He was homeless for a long time, and then he went to Oregon. You know, Oregon basketball players usually end up pretty good. But uh, yeah, he's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of downside too because it's going to limit his ceiling. But and he's already twenty seven. 
So, you know, he, he's, he's going he's gonna to do better this year. I don't know how much better, but he's a fun player to watch. So, uh, so they have his nickname as Swatterboy. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I, I looked up NBA basketball <laughs> reference, and I'm just to see, like, his side, size. Um, his Twitter is Chris Boucher, and then it says parentheses Swatterboy. So I don't know if that's a nickname, but I want I've never heard that. I've never seen We are now referring sitter. to him as Swatterboy. I've never um, seen anyone on a Raptor sitter refer to him as such. That's just very odd. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he went to Oregon. But he's six foot nine. When he came into the league, he was 200 pounds. So, like you said, very thin. Um, played high school ball in Canada. So, that, that is a really cool story. I mean, he started the league kind of late, you know, at 25 years old. He did a lot of G League time. Two years ago, exactly. he was the G League Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. Which I think shows just his defensive prowess. So Yeah, he's a good defender. It's just that he's so skinny that, like, bigger guys not take advantage of yeah, but I think he works his length really well. I think he probably has a – I don't know if it shows his wingspan, but I, I'm sure he's a pretty lengthy guy. Um, all right, yeah, no. But when you were talking about him, like, coming off the bench, high energy, just gives it his all on defensive end and rebounding-wise, it reminds me a lot of a player from a team that's Trevor's jersey, so the Nuggets. Trevor, can you think of who – like, high energy guy for the Nuggets was always kind of like a bench, maybe a little bit of a starter. He had a nickname. Um... Was really just – all effort. Martin? No, I'm talking oh. about big. Oh, uh, Jeremy Grant? Kenneth Fareed. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, I don't no, think they're similar players. I don't think. No, I, I don't think they're similar at all. But just with, like, the high energy coming off the bench and giving it their all, Fareed was just a guy that would, like. The manimal. The man. The, the man. Manimal. Great nickname. <laughs> he was what? Was he six seven power forward? He was always undersized, but he ran the floor hard. He got a lot of boards from just effort. So, yeah. I agree. Not maybe similar players. I think Boucher is going to be very exciting to watch, and we'll have to we'll have to see. But yeah, that is all I have for basketball. I could be missing some NBA news. Um, well, breaking news. Um, this popped up on my phone while we were recording. But uh, Bulls guard Denzel Valentine has uh, not been practicing, but hopes to be back Saturday. Might miss first preseason practice, preseason game with a hamstring. He can so miss big earth shattering news there with a hamstring. I, I don't – I am not. I, I was very high on him coming out of college, coming out of MSU, but it, he has just honestly not panned out, so I, I could care less. Good. What do you think, Trevor, fellow Bulls fan? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him succeed. I mean, he's on the Bulls, so, you know, any Bulls player I'd like to see That's do fair. well. But, yeah, I'm just certainly not high on him, like you said. Uh, I just don't think he's really developed – he's not really great at anything – and I don't think he's that good at many of the things we want him to do. It's crazy because you know. out of college, he could shoot the three. He was a mm-hmm. good facilitator, and he was averaging like five rebounds a game. Yeah, that Michigan State team was really good. I yeah. just, yeah, I just don't see, you know, maybe. We'll, we'll see, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, I still hope. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right, bye. Well, thank you. All right. So let's talk some baseball, Josh. So okay. you told me a little about uh, the MILB. Do you want to? Tell our listeners what, what happened today, or was it yesterday? I don't So uh, 120 teams were, quote-unquote, invited to be a part of the next minor league baseball season uh, because MLB is cutting at least 40 teams. Uh, the closest team to us is the Kane County Cougars, and uh, they were cut, so they're no longer a minor league baseball team affiliated with the club. It just really sucks, man. I just really, it's, just, it's so stupid. Like, I've talked about how much I dislike Rob Mammoth before and how cheap I think the owners are, but Rob Manfred's job is to grow the sport and you don't grow the sport by killing teams. It just doesn't work. Growing the sport also includes all levels. 
Yeah. Like, but by losing 40 teams in minor league, that's a terrible thing for him. A lot of people don't understand this because they've never been to a minor league baseball game, but these minor league teams are really important to their communities. Like, it's a lot of these places, like Kane County's close enough to Chicago where, like, it doesn't really matter that way. But, like, there are a bunch of teams, like the Beloit Snappers, so pretty close, but the Beloit Snappers, who are still luckily are affiliated, uh, like, that's the baseball they have. Like, that's the baseball that they have, and that's what they grew up watching. Like, there's teams in, like, Boise, the Boise Hawks. Like, that's all they got, man. And it just sucks to see that the owners are thinking so short-sighted by killing off these teams and taking you know, less minor league players, less opportunities, and less chance for the community to fall in love with the sport. And just it just sucks. It sucks so much. And it makes me really, really upset because I love minor yeah. league baseball and I love all baseball, but I really love minor league baseball, and it's it's a shame. Do you think this is more on owners or Manfred? It's entirely on, well. Manfred is a puppet for the owners, so it's it's entirely on the owners because that was it's their choice. Like they, mm-hmm. this happened. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't see why they would even want to cut these teams. They, one thing that the teams are good for the community, like you said, it's good for fans, it's good for baseball. But I feel like don't the owners get a pretty good revenue share from that as well? Like as far as how I understand it, they don't get any revenue from the minor league teams. They just pay the players, and that's it. So they don't really make any money for the minor league teams. Okay. Then and of course they want to start making money for the minor league teams. So they're trying to figure out ways to do that. And one of the ways they're doing it is cutting 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 teams and cutting players and uh, my league players are already paid below minimum wage yeah. like how, how cheap can you really get man how it's just i was gonna say like money. when you say that all owners have to do is pay for their salaries it's not a like a high salary or contract like the owners could afford that very easily it's a drop in the bucket it's a drop in the, even if you paid them legal minimum wage it's still a drop in the bucket for these billionaires and it's, oh, yeah. it's very disappointing to see this doesn't happen in any other sport like you can say other all these sports are cheap and they are like on all the sports but you don't see it to this level in any other i mean sport. all other sports though if, if you want to go there none of them have as many minor league teams as baseball as well sure but they're starting to make them. very unique with the you know triple a double a single a high a low a and stuff hockey has that okay that's fair so maybe hockey's the, the closest comparison but i mean and the g league and the nba like they're, they're, has they're starting no, no minor league uh, basketball with the G League is just one affiliation for each team, so yeah, it, it's it's interesting, but it, it definitely is a sad note in baseball, and one Josh and I are not the biggest fans of. Uh, to a, a different note in baseball, so a Phillies exec came out and said that they would not trade Zach Wheeler for Babe Ruth. I just thought it was a really silly comment. Um, I also wouldn't do that. Babe Ruth's dead. That makes no sense from a baseball yeah, I, I wouldn't. Why would I, I trade my second best pitcher for a dead person? But it's just like comparing Zach Wheeler to one of the greatest players of all time is is quite a, a shocking thing to me. I, I don't know what you think, how highly you think of Zach Wheeler. Well, this came out because there was a report from Buster Olney that the Phillies were trying to trade everybody under the sun to get another, to stop spending money because, you know, owners are cheap. And so the owner came out and was like, this isn't happening. We'll never trade Zach Wheeler from Babe Ruth. So it was just like, a, it was just a metaphor. And yeah. uh, people took it from there and to, they started making jokes. But like, it just, people, pe- like we saw last week, the non-tenders, it's kind of like Shorber getting non-tendered and stuff. Like all these owners are just, you know, they're just trying to stop, not spend money. It's, it's, it's a shame. But the only teams that are spending money are the White Sox, the Blue Jays, the Braves. Mets? The Mets. Yep, those are like the four. Those are like the four. Mm-hmm. They're like really trying to go out there and win and salute to those teams and get on those owners. Too. But uh, so yeah, let's let's talk a little bit of a trade that actually happened this week. So Angels acquired closing pitcher 
uh, Rafael Iglesias from the Reds for no Ramirez. Who? I, yeah, he. Uh, I don't know how to another, say his first name, but I like him actually. Um, well, he's just a, a reliever. He's already on the wrong side of thirty. And Iglesias yeah. is pretty good. So again, it's just the Reds trying to save money. All these deals, they all just trying to save money. Exactly. And, like the Reds are pretty good last year. Like they were disappointing in regards to what they were. But like if they ran it back, there's a good chance that they could have been really good. The now thing they're is, just pulling apart the pieces. Bowers going to come back? No, there's no chance. Exactly. They're not going to spend the money. So that's why I think they're going to. They're trying to trade Sonny Gray. Like they're actually trying to get rid of Sonny Gray, who was really good last year. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it, but. Um, and the Central's so weak, and the, and yet the Cubs are trying to pull it apart too. Where they can literally just walk to the division title right now if they wanted to. They don't have to do anything; they can walk to it. But nope, they don't want to do that either. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I guess the, it's a good it's a good move for the Angels then because they get a solid uh, yeah great move for the Angels. solid pitcher in uh, the Reds. Like you said, not you know wide clean house right now when you had a really good roster last year and a weak division you could take advantage of makes no for sense. sure. Um. All right, and then the next news I have is – so I, I thought this was interesting. I don't know how much you know about this, but MLB bidding opened up for Japan's pitcher Tomoyaki Sagano. Yeah, it's the same posting process for all – well, Sagano is the best pitcher in Japan right now. I used to not anymore because he's going to come to the States. But, yeah, Sagano's really good. He's the best pitcher there. He's uh, going to be in – he's not like you Darvish level good or like when he came over or Atani level good. He's a tier below that. But uh, – Good, good, good pitcher. Uh, posting system, how it works is that they have like a, they have like a month to uh, negotiate with all these teams to work out a deal. If no deal is reached in this month, uh, he has to go back to Japan. He can't come over this year. And if he does sign, the uh, posting team that posts the player gets a portion of the signing, uh, a portion of the contract. And uh, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. So there's a clock on it now. So Sugano and uh, Kim and all the other guys that are posted, mm-hmm. regardless of where they're coming, being posted from, have a, have a month from when they're posted to be signed. Yeah, so Sagano was 14-2 last season with a 1.97 ERA. So very good stuff in, in his league. And uh, like you said, uh, Kim was also posted the, the start shortstop of the KBO. So I, I believe you're right. I think they have till January 1st-ish for Kim. It's, it's directly and then, a month from when they're, and when then they're posted. Sagano, I think, is like the 7th of January. So, yeah, it's a month. Um and then other news, White Sox making some moves. So they traded for Lance Lynn, for, and they gave up Dane Dunning as well as a prospect. And then they also signed Adam Eaton to a one-year $7 million contract with a second-year $8.5 million option. So what were your thoughts on both these moves? Uh, Lynn first. They gave up a ton for one year of Lance Lynn. Uh, Lance Lynn has been one of the best starters the past like three years and super durable too, so great pitcher. But giving up six years of Dane Dunning, who – who has high pedigree and stuff. That's a lot. And additional stuff too. It's a lot. So hopefully they get what they're looking for out of that one year of Lynn. Go down the Rangers for making a good deal. That's like, that's a good haul. And then uh, for anime and it just, we talk about this in the Carlos Santana deal at the same time. Um, let's talk about Eaton first because seven years for uh, one year is pretty good. Like that's pretty good for Eaton. Like it shows that the market might be better than what we were expecting coming out of the, uh, out of the, uh, pandemic and we're still in it coming out of the pandemic shortened season um and then santana got two years 17 if i believe correctly where's santana going the royals which is also super interesting not a bad. If you're me, five, yeah if you're telling me that santana's were 217 how is kyle Schwarber not worth one eight so yeah. it doesn't make any sense to that for the cubs perspective but hey if carlos Santana's getting 217 that's good for the market that shows that maybe these players Both are going to get more mean. than what we thought so um that's good that's good news so yeah, I, I want to comment. So I think Lynn and the, the Dane Dunning trade with the Rangers, I think it is good for the Rangers getting a talented 
play a pitcher as in a longer term contract. But I also think this is the White Sox trying to go for it. I think they, yeah. they you know, even though it might hurt them long run because you know you're losing Dane Dunning, this is them saying we want to win next year. Um, yeah, and good on them for pushing forward. Adam Eaton, who I don't believe will be the third outfielder. Like, I think you said he'd probably be the fourth outfielder, who's a great fourth outfielder. I don't think um, they're done adding. I would not be shocked if they're not. I think they're still shopping. Uh, yeah. But I, I think Adam Eaton is a really talented player, good batter, good fielder, and he just plays the game hard, and he's, you know, he's always trying his best. Um, so I think he's a good addition. I don't know if his personality really meshes with the rest of the White Sox team, but we'll have to see. And then – other news, so you mentioned Schwarber a little bit. So I saw that Yankees, Blue Jays, and Angels are the top among, are among the top teams showing interest in Schwarber. Uh, out of those three teams, if he goes to L.A., that could be a, uh, him reuniting with uh, Madden. So, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about – obviously, you're not happy Schwarber's leaving, but what do you think about where he might go? Let's start with the Blue Jays. There's not a fit for him on that team. If you consider him an outfielder, then you can kind of make space with Guerriel and him splitting DH duties, but that doesn't really make sense. And he's not, you know, he's not going to play first base there. Unless, I mean, he could, but uh, Vladdy wants to go back to third, but I don't think that's going to last very long. No. Um, Angels, I guess, they could always do some more hitting. I, that, that one seems more likely to me with Madden there too. That one seems like the most likely. What was the other team? Uh, Yankees. The Yankees have always loved him since since he was a prospect. The Yankees they have like big hitters. Very, yeah, it's very well known. The Yankees have very much liked Kyle Schwarber for a long time. They tried to get him for Andrew Miller back in 2016. If you so, also see all three of these teams, AL, so you have the option to DH Schwarber. Um, yep. As well as, like you said, could play corner outfield. Uh, would you consider him maybe as a first baseman or no? I'm sure teams are. I'm sure teams are. I wouldn't do it yet because he's fine. He's not a good defensive left fielder, but he's, he's not gotten, bad. He's, he's fine. gotten to a point where he's an average – yeah, he's absolutely a player. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to help you, but he's not going to hurt he you. He used to hurt you, but now he, he's worked on it. He's exactly. He's just Yeah, he's average. definitely playable. Yeah, not a problem. And then uh, I, I wouldn't rule out the Cubs yet. I know they, they, we, it's very well known how much they love Kyle Schorber, the human. And uh, if they can work out something in a multi-year deal, I'm, they, I'm sure they'd love to bring him back. They've said as much, but I, would, I wouldn't rule them out yet. I just don't want to see him as a Yankee. Blue Jays, that, I don't see a fit. Angels would be kind of nice for him in Madden, but obviously I want him back with the Cubs, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Carlos Tana gets 217. Schwarber's going to get 1-8 from somebody, for sure. That's what I he's bet. looking for. At least. Yeah. Uh, and then, so Mets, they're, they're making a move, I believe, relatively soon. I don't know if it officially came out yet. But it's not official yet. They're closing in on a four-year deal with James McCann, 30-year-old catcher who played last season with the White Sox. He was a 289 uh, batting average, 360 on base. His OPS plus was 144. So, really and he was solid. a Gold Glove finalist too. Yeah, so really solid batter last year as well as fielder. Uh, he had seven homers and 15 RBIs in only 31 games. So he, I think he maybe went down with injury. But honestly, great piece for the Mets if they do end up getting him, which it sounds like they are. Four years, solid hitter, solid fielder. Can move faster than Wilson Ramos. So – <laughs> uh, improvement all all around is at catcher there. Uh, so yeah, it's exciting piece for the Mets, and I hope McCann well. Uh, yeah, any that's other, a good piece. McCann's really piece? really good, and uh, the Mets wanted him in Real Moto. Real Muto, fuck, what the hell's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> JT Real Muto, and uh, yeah, good good for them. They're going to be heavy on Springer too. I bet they ended up with George Springer too. That's going to be a great off season for the uh, Mets who aren't fucking around. I'm trying to think of this roster. 
Jeff McNeil, Springer, Alonzo, McCann. I'm missing an outfielder. They were the best offense in baseball last oh, year. They're already Conforto, good. Conforto. Yep. Nimmo. Nimmo solid as hell. Uh, Ahmed Rosario. Yep. Speed two on the bases right there. Yep. My God. Good team. With DeGrom and Syndergaard still? Yep. <laughs> it's a good team. Filthy. And then you got Strowman and uh, who's the – Steven Matz? Yep. This could be dangerous. So, yeah. Solid little club you got there. Well, yeah, my God. That's going to be fun. Good for them to get McCann. Uh, I got no more baseball move news. And then just a little bit of NHL update. So, NHL, they, you know, there's not much that was coming out recently, but some stuff is coming out now after I wrote all this. But uh, so after the 2019-2020 season concluded, the expectation was that there would be a quick turnaround. The league would start, you know, either late December, early January. The timeline is most likely going to get pushed back to mid-January. Now I believe they're aiming for January 13th, and they're going to reduce the season to 52 or 56 games. Um, And then let's see. Yeah, so I think they're going to have to limit it because I think that NBC Networks shares the playoffs as well as the Olympics, so they can't have the season going like too late into July. So we'll have to see what happens with hockey. And that is, I mean, until I get a schedule or start date for hockey, there's really nothing to report right now. I haven't seen any big free agents moves or trades. So, yeah, that's all I got this week. Uh, Josh, thanks as always for being here. And Not a problem. Everyone, please make sure to go follow us on Twitter at Big Slumpin' Podcast. All right, any final words? Happy birthday to Aaron Baines. Um, good <laughs> win last – he, I don't know, he's 35, I think. No. I think so. Hold is on. he that old? I thought he was way younger. No. All right, happy birthday, he's, Aaron uh, Baines. He's 34. Dang. Yeah, he's 34. Um, happy birthday, Aaron Baines. Uh, good win last night from the Hawkeyes beating uh, North Carolina. Go Hawks. And, uh, yeah. That's it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.